Good morning, church. All right, it's good to hear you all out there and see you all out there. We're in the midst of a series entitled Things Unseen. And here's the question, who came to worship? She maneuvered her wheelchair in such a way that you could see the tension in her upper arms. She cringed because of the stress of having to maneuver that vehicle with just her arms. And she rolled up at the edge of the gravel drive right there at the church. And one of the ushers walked out and pushed her on into the narthex. And she went into the sanctuary. She had come, even with physical infirmities, to worship. something happened along the way. He had never really been a part of church. His parents never really participated in church and in worship. Uh, One of his colleagues encouraged him. I mean, the only time that he had ever been in a church was on his wedding day. But one of his colleagues said, hey, come and worship with us. I'll pick you up. They sat together It was kind of a strange thing, but he was able to worship. It was Saturday night. It had been a stressful week. She was in touch with her emotions. He realized there was a problem. She said, you know, it's been a long time since we've been a part of a worship experience and community. What about if we think about going to a church and worshiping. Our marriage is not where it needs to be. We're both exhausted. We need something more. And so begrudgingly, he said yes. And on Sunday morning, they entered the contemporary setting and they worshiped. She remembers the baptism of their son there at the altar. Uh, She remembers the vows that she had made to follow Jesus. She remembered before the child, the wedding, she remembers her child being baptized. And now when she walks in the back of the sanctuary, she sees the casket for the service of her husband. And there's an emptiness that comes over her and and a sadness that washes over her. But then the music begins to play. And the people around her greet her. And she feels peace. She has come to worship. Let's pray together. God, we want to thank you for that which is in us that compels us to be here. Uh, Some of us maybe would rather be somewhere else. We were coerced to be here. Others of us longed for this time. Others of us don't feel worthy to be here. But for whatever reason we are here, we have come, all that we are and all that we are not. 
And we just ask that you would work in us as we talk about worship. Lord, help us to worship. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Well, we're in the midst of this series called Unseen Things. And have you ever felt as though there was a moment in your life where something deeper was happening, something you couldn't tangibly explain, but you knew it was real? Uh, maybe, maybe a holy practice or an, an ordinary event or a challenging circumstance. You know, during Lent, we take this opportunity to reflect on our lives and to seek after God in a very intentional way. And one of the things that we have affirmed is that we live in one world, and we're going to talk about this in a couple of Sundays, but there are two realms, good and evil, things seen and things unseen. And so while we journey together, we seek to grow in faith and we look for the Holy Spirit to reveal some things as we move toward Easter. And so today, regarding unseen things, I want us to look at worship, what we are about right here, and talk about some of the things that occur that are unseen but real. But part of understanding worship means we have to understand our perspective and our attitudes that we bring to worship. And there are three categories, I believe, that we enter into this place with. Some enter into this place seeing worship as a playground. We, uh, we come in with an attitude, what am I going to get out of worship? Uh, I, I sure hope the music is good. I hope the personality is strong in the presentation of the, the message because I want to know What's in it for me? Kind of a consumer mentality. Uh, is, is there going to be some slickness to the videos? Is there going to be a, a pizzazz to the experience? And in this understanding of worship as a playground, we put ourselves as the main subject. Do we see ourselves as the recipient? What am I going to get? And so we, we play at it. We don't really make a commitment on a regular basis, and we see it as more kind of recreational. It's negotiable. It's something that's maybe entertaining to us, but nothing else. And then there's battleground. We can come into worship with a sense of arrogance that, well, you know what? Our style is really the style. I mean, the Holy Spirit really only works through my style of worship. And so we may look uh, with contempt on another denomination or maybe another group of folks that are in the same uh, facility, and, and we're critical. And my analogy or word picture is I, I can go into an informal setting, a sports bar, and enjoy a meal, or I can go to a very nice formal white cloth table diner where the, the, the uh, waiter wears a tuxedo. I don't go very often because I don't spend that kind of money and don't want to. But both places I'm going to eat. And so whether formal or informal, sometimes we come in with a sense in which we have the corner on worship and God only shows up in the context that we believe 
is the right style. An older gentleman in a church that I was a part of showed his spiritual maturity when I said to him, hey, we've got this contemporary service. What do you think of it? And he said, well, you know what? It's really not my thing, and I don't really enjoy it all that much. But my son and his wife and their children go, and so I'm for it. You see, he was able to embrace that their worship experience is in the realm of how God can come. And I think we need to be that way related to traditional worship as well. That through history, God has used some of the things that we've put in place for years and years and years that his spirit has put in place. And so you can come with this mentality of, okay, what am I going to get out of worship? How am I going to be fed? We can come in saying, you know what? Our way is the only way. But I really like, it was an anointed song, Matt Redman's song. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's really all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry for the things that I've made it. It's all about you. So I want to suggest to you that worship for us, when it becomes real and authentic in the unseen, is when we see it as holy ground. When we see that Christ desires to meet us. When he longs to meet us. Far more than we long to meet with him. So what is worship for us? Well, I pray that today worship for you is an an emptying. A, A time for you to confess and come clean through the elements and the sacrament of communion. I pray it's an opportunity for us to lay down our burdens to allow God to wash us and to rid us of that which the Scripture says so easily entangles us and really getting ourselves out of the way. I asked somebody this week, what does worship mean to you? And he said, Tim, I envision that I'm likened to a ship coming into the harbor. It's a safe place. And they, they clean off the barnacles of the vessel and the deck is is mopped clean so that I can get ready for the voyage ahead in the next week. So it's an emptying, but it's also a filling. It's also something that is an infusion of Christ's Holy Spirit in us. Because, see, it's only when we empty ourselves in worship that Christ can fill us. One of the things that we affirm as Wesleyans, uh, John Wesley believed in multiple works of grace and how the Holy Spirit somehow, as Jesus said, I leave with you an advocate that in a very special and through a special anointing, there are multiple works of grace where he fills us. And in a moment, we know we've been with the Lord. Sometimes we may not know it until a little later, but we look back and say, you were there. We had a 
foot washing, and I shared this with you, uh, worship experience with our long-range planning team. And, and I got to tell you, in that moment, I had been a part of them before, but in that moment, I really felt the Spirit of Jesus. I don't know if it was because there was an act of humility. I don't know if it was because um, someone else was washing my filthy feet. But God was there. And that's what we really believe in the sacrament is that, that God shows up in a, a mysterious, mystical kind of way. And I asked some of the ones around the table, around the room, I said, how did you feel? I felt the Lord as well. You see, there was a, like a collective effervescence that took place as the Lord showed up. Now, I remember it was a little different for me. I was part of a Kairos ministry where we went into to a prison. Many of you know it well. And before we went into the prison to minister to the residents, there was a team foot washing. And I had never been really a part of anything like that before. And there was this one charismatic guy. He was built and strong and brawny and and man, he was freed up in the Lord, and it was his turn to wash my feet. Now, I need to share with you, it's not very masculine to say I have ticklish feet. So what I'm going to say is I have sensitive feet, okay? And so this guy kneels down, and one of the practices is that he was praying while he was washing my feet, and he was just working it, man. And he was grabbing my feet, and I was like, whoo! Woo! I mean, I was like, and he was like, you feel it? And I'm like, yeah, I feel it, man. I mean, he was going after it. And after it was over, he said, did you feel that? I said, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that it was the Holy Spirit. I think it was my central nervous system. But, but there are those moments where God really does meet us. And it's an awesome thing. And that's why we need to come into worship with a spirit of expectancy. Because, you see, I love my children. And I've told them I love them. But I'll say that's, that's pale in comparison to the way that our God loves us. And you are so loved by God. And in the same way, I want to come to worship and I want to experience worship. But the Lord wants so much more than I want to be with me. When I walk into a hospital room and I'm praying, one of the things I pray is, Lord, may your unseen presence become real for us today. And that ought to be our prayer as we walk into this place with our brokenness and our human frailty. And, and you know, there are signs of when that happens. Sometimes there aren't visible signs. Sometimes it can't be articulated because words are limited. But you know how to respond to that when the Lord has touched your life. You know, that song really, it was as though... Ashley knew what song to sing given what I was going through. Or, you know, when you said that in the message, and I'll go in my manuscript and it won't be there. Or that really spoke to my heart. 
those moments where God sneaks up on us can be some of the most powerful. But it means that we've got to have a posture of openness and readiness even in places where we think he may not show up. I mean, John Wesley struggled with that. It says in his journal that he went to this chapel at Aldersgate Street, and it, and it was like a quarter till nine, and he writes in his journal, I went begrudgingly. Have you ever gone begrudgingly to worship? Have you ever felt like you were dragged? You had a drug problem, right? Somebody drug you to worship, right? He was feeling like he didn't want to be there, But something compelled him, and as he was listening to the preface of the treaties, theological treaties from Martin Luther on the book of Romans, dry as dust. I have seen it. I have heard it. It is dry stuff. He said, I felt my heart strangely warmed. (laughs) And we are forever changed because he recognized that God showed up. And so what is, what is worship for us? It's our longing for God. As the psalmist says, as the deer pants for streams of water, my soul pants for you, O God. I need you. I am desperate for you. Psalm 63, 1 says, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. You ever felt that way? We come to worship. And maybe we don't need to empty ourselves because we already feel empty. And Christ is faithful. He's promised in Scripture that if we will draw close to Him, He will draw close to us. It's an opportunity for us to express our love and our joy in the Lord. Look at Psalm, the old 100, as they refer to it. And I'm going to ask that they put it on the screen. This is a psalm that, that speaks of kind of what happens, how it happens, and who it happens to. Let's look at this. Shout for joy to the Lord. How? Shout for joy to the Lord. Who? All the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. How? With gladness. Come how? Come before Him with joyful songs. We've done that. You will do more of that in the service. Why? Verse 3. Know that the Lord is God because He is God. That is why it is He who made us and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. That's why. How? Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks. How? Be grateful to Him and praise His name. Why? For the Lord is good. And His love endures forever. And His faithfulness continues to all generations. That's how, that's why we worship. Because the unseen God gets revealed to us in a special way. The Scripture says where two or more are gathered in His name, something significant is going to happen. Maybe that's why the woman who missed worship said, Tim, when I missed Sunday, I felt like I missed a big part of my week. 
Worship allows us to express our longing for God, our love for God, and it gives us a chance to reaffirm in His presence our loyalty. It's an expression of my life in God. And together we seek God, we love God, and something something happens. God is glorified when we worship together. God is magnified. And then something happens to us. Although it is secondary to why we worship, we are satisfied because we're filled. He eradicates the things that are wrong from our lives and does a cleansing through the sacrament. We are empty to be filled It's the work of that Holy Spirit that does the greatest work of transformation. We may worship other things. I mean, the bottom line is we're going to worship something. But ultimately, we will be satisfied when we worship and fill that void with the one true God. I served at a church right across the street from Georgia Southern University in Statesboro, and there was a fella that was a student. We had several students worship with us. In fact, some of you uh, worshiped at Pittman Park when you were at Georgia Southern. And this one guy would come and sit with the students. We had a contemporary service and a traditional service. And he would come, and he was free in worship, man. I mean, he, just, he would raise his hands. He would sing loud. And he had sought me out just for friendship reasons, wanted to kind of process some things that were going on for him on the campus. And, and it was a Saturday night, and I got a phone call from the Wesley Foundation director saying that nobody knew it. He had a heart defect, and he died on the soccer field playing intramural soccer. And so we had his service. And the president was there, and some of the coaches and some, some others were present, and it was full, packed out, kind of like one we had here recently. And I, I reflected back on how he would worship. And I talked about how he was uninhibited, and he would raise his hands, and, and he was faithful, and, and he would sing loud. And one of the things that I offered as a word of comfort was all of that was a dress rehearsal for him. All of that was a dress rehearsal. And when we come to worship, it is a foretaste of glory divine. The scripture says, when he comes, we will see him as he is. What we will be has yet to be revealed. But when we see him, we will become like him and we will worship. Angels and archangels will say, 
We've been doing this for millenniums. Come join us. You've been doing this. Come and worship. Then we take that unseen presence of Christ as we've worshiped in this place and we take our worship to the streets and we invite others to encounter the unseen, gracious, merciful God that longs to be with us, yearns for our fellowship. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that you so longed to be with us that you came and became one of us. And you said that you would leave with us your presence, the Holy Spirit. And we thank you for that paraclete, that thing that is attached to us, that advocate that allows us to reciprocate our worship back unto you, the audience, unto you, the focal point. And so in these moments, as we share in communion together, we pray that you will empty us so that you might fill us, that we might be transformed, through our worship. It's in the name of Christ that we worship together. Amen.